0: Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, November 29th, 2020. What a special, special time it is. Hey, guys, we got the band back together. <laughs> While everybody was uh, in a coma from the tryptophan coma that, that Turkey Day put you under, we are back together. Turn with us immediately to Psalm chapter 36. As some in the media may say, we want to see what the palmist has to say in Psalm 36. Say it twice. Verses eight and nine. It says, They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. In your light. We actually see light. Church, today we're going to have a feast on the abundance of God's house in this place. You're going to be able to drink from the river of delights because God is giving us his word. He is giving us his spirit. And he's going to be the very fountain of life that is in our midst today. Today. Somebody say today. 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 We're beginning a new series for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. And the series is entitled metamorphosis oh come on moment. now
1: everybody say metamorphosis metamorphosis you know this brings to mind that there are a lot of changes that are happening in our country right now especially leading up to somewhere around january 20th and this is a big decision for the elect college <laughs> having to make that will predict our future and how everything progresses through these changes speaking of progression and changes
2: you know If you have a ballot that was issued and it went through a series of changes, that's different than metamorphosis. That's the principle of entropy, where everything that was ordered moved to random chaos as it went. Metamorphosis is entirely differently. We want to show you what it means. Let's put it on
0: the screen. Metamorphosis is the process of transformation. From an immature form to an adult or a mature form in two or more distinct stages. This is just off oh, yeah. of the all-knowing dominion. I mean, all-knowing Google that we got this off of. <laughs> just the process of transformation that goes about to bring about maturity from an immature state to a mature adult form. Look at the second line that's here. You want a
2: picture of this before YouTube puts a ban or a truth waiver warning on it. Because this is going to be good for your soul, and once they figure that out, then it'll probably get censored.
0: Look at the sub point here a change of the form or nature of a thing or a person into a completely different one by natural or supernatural means. Oh, come on, supernatural means.
1: Oh, man, isn't it good to have a supernatural means to change? It's almost like the name of this ministry is Life Changing Ministry. Ministries. It's where we all experience this process of metamorphosis. Did y'all have a good time at our last One Association conference? Oh, man, we heard some fantastic messages and got directive of how to get from immature to mature. How to become the kind of men that we must be, right? Then the, the sermons that have proceeded afterwards. The weeks that pass by, we've been discussing about not only the men that we need to be, but the mission that we need to be on. Amen. Oh, it even includes a wonderful map with an area outlined of the Aswan region. And we're moving forward with metamorphosis and how it is needed in our progression. Come on, a maturing, a
2: changing from one state to another by supernatural means. Woo. Yes. Did you catch two or more stages? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, do you want more? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the whole world has tried to make Christian metamorphosis going from lost to saved. Yeah, they're missing most of the definition. Look, we're going to begin in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1. Say there when you're there. All right, I'm looking for you on the back row. Help me out when you're there. Y'all can't fall asleep on me. I'm not here that often. I need you to encourage me while I encourage you. See what's happening there? Are we there? David mustered the men. That's what we're trying to do right now. David mustered the men who were with him and appointed over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. David sent out his troops, a third under the command of Joab. Somebody say Joab. Joab. A third under the command of Joab's brother, Abishai, son of Zeruah. Somebody say Abishai. Abishai. And a third under Ittai the Gittite. The king told the troops, I myself will surely march out with you. As we begin this morning, understand that the king knew these men. The king intentionally put the, the Israeli armies under the command of these three men, and his intention was to be with them in every third of the way. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Amen, because it's what we're going to be talking
0: about all morning. Church, we're going to lay out now for you right here at the beginning exactly what we're going to cover today. For those of you who are note takers, yeah. who like to get things in order this is going to be one of your favorite parts right here mm-hmm. i'm going brief- to suggest you go ahead and write
2: this down because unlike a democratic ballot it will not be filled in for
0: you later <laughs> be certified at the throne of god there we go <laughs> see when we get a brief overview of these men's lives it becomes incredibly insightful and is worth reflecting on in our dealings with discipleship and as a progression in the kingdom Anybody want to progress in the kingdom today? Yeah, I do. Amen. For your notes, you're going to want to write down three sections. Come on. on your first one, we're going to speak of Joab. Somebody say Joab. Joab. Write it down. That's the first section. Yeah, seriously, write it down. The no, second you, one. You, some of you are not writing. I... I
2: Listen, I like a pole watcher within six feet, I want to see you writing. Otherwise, later, there might be a different color ink, might be somebody else's handwriting. We want to certify that you understand this message and that it was your intention.
1: Right. Do not mask your condition.
0: Let it be open and vulnerable for input from the kingdom. The first section is about Joab. The second that you need to write down right now, we will speak of Abishai. Somebody say Abishai. 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 And the third, we will speak of Ittai. That's the third section. Somebody say Ittai. Ittai. See, when we have a conceptual grasp of these men as they represent stages, then we will be able to look at a progression throughout David's Psalms as well. And then lastly, we're going to make application to the life of Christ and the life of his followers today. That is the direction that we're taking today, and we need you to come with us. Are you, are you with us this morning?
1: Yeah. Now, myself, speaking as a strong c student, it is helpful to repeat things at times. So first, we're going to start with who? Joab. Joab. Secondly, we're going to move on to Abishai. And third, we're going to move on to Ittah. Ittah. Very good. You guys are really helping me this morning. Well, let's put up this next slide, and we want to focus first on Joab, right? Well, in this slide, what's well depicted? We can describe it, brother. We can. I'll use the artistry of my words. Here we go. So you start with a man named Jesse. And Jesse has a daughter. Now, many commentators will suggest that this daughter is his his wife. But further study will show that Zariah is his daughter. Now, in addition to his daughter, he also has many other sons. Wish that I had Jesse's girl. <laughs> du, 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 du. So
2: <laughs> I just thought I would help him be distracted.
1: I am ready for karaoke at any point in time, ready to go. So Jesse's oldest daughter, oldest girl, uh, she began to have some kids, like they all do, right? In addition to those around. kids. There are some other children that were being born to Jesse. David is the youngest brother in the bunch, and his older sister is Zariah. Now, Zariah has three sons of her own, Joab, Ashael, and Abishai. And these three are roughly about the same age that David is. David's their uncle, and they are his nephews. So there's a similarity and how they're maturing, but there's a difference in their relationship and how they relate to each other.
2: It's like any good Louisiana family. Oh, you know, yeah, children man. Children over a few decades. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Joy was the strongest. He was the most capable of all David's men. His interaction with a guy named Abner is pretty telling in the scripture. And I don't know what will work today on our screens or not, but I know you're fully capable. It looks like Dominion got our software this morning. <laughs> In a bunker in Venezuela, Hugo Chavez is uh, working against us. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel 3. Uh, Maybe it's not Venezuela. Maybe maybe it's the Democratic National Convention. (laughs) Uh, In 2 Samuel 3, we're going to begin in verse 9. May God deal with Abner, be it ever so severely... If I do not do for David what the Lord promised him on oath and transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and establish David's throne over Israel and Judah from Dan to Beersheba. Look, we've picked up in the middle of a story and we're doing that for time's sake. So I want to fill in a little bit of it for you. Abner had been Saul's general. There was contention between Saul and David. And Abner was, was Saul's right hand man. But Abner's become regretful. He doesn't want to serve Saul's son, Ishbosheth. I mean, he wasn't a good candidate. His name means man of shame. So Abner makes an oath to serve David. That's what you're seeing happen here. Abner should be thought of as a repentant and a respectful person of the word of God that was given to David. In other words, all heaven is rejoicing that Abner is switching sides because he's having a heart change, he's respecting the word of God, and he is coming to
0: David with an oath. And you're going to see how David, the king, responds to this contrition in 2 Samuel 3 and verse 16. It says this, Then Abner said to David, Let me go at once and assemble all Israel for my Lord, the king, so that they may make a compact with you and that you may rule over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away and Abner went in shalom. He went in peace. This man has come before you know that the repentance is genuine. Because David, as the promised king, he has the right to pardon whomever he desires, and he chose to pardon Abner here. David gave him conditions for the fruit of repentance, but agreed to pardon him in this case. Come on, that sounds just like a noble king, doesn't it? It does. Yes, I will accept your forgiveness, and then what it's going to look like is you actually need to have fruit in keeping with repentance but you may go in peace. He also had to get busy transferring the kingdom that he
2: once was trying to destroy into David's hands. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what happens when we get born again? What we were once working against, we now want to go back and repair and get that stuff right. Amen. Abner in every way looks like,
0: well, like we should look. And with that understanding now, when you know that Joab kills Abner, he kills Abner right after these moments here because of a grievance that was related to previous warfare. Because of an old grudge, Joab kills a man that the king has just exonerated, that the king has just forgiven, that the king has just given his very shalom to. And that is what we are looking at in Joab here as we go forward. You know, as we're, we're looking at Joab and
1: this act of killing Abner, It's very clear of a few things. One of them is that although he's very dedicated and loyal to David, he still has his own agenda. Right. The king pardoned Abner. But afterwards, Joab goes after for his own personal revenge. That he was with David. He was with the king as long as it benefited his own agenda. Pastor, I'm with you. As long as it benefits my own agenda. This is what we begin to see. You know, when Joab's king begins to mandate what he must do, but it's contrary to his very own desires, Joab just goes on and does what he wants to do.
2: You know what's crazy about this? You could really get down on Joab at this minute, couldn't you? Two of you? The rest of you (laughs) now? Because all disciples join a ministry. Because of the benefit that they perceive that it will bring their own lives. We all start as Joab. Tell me why you came here. Well, because I thought that the children's ministry would bless my family. I, I came here because I can see they have a missions call. I have a missions call and they will support us. I see a place for myself. Every disciple starts as Joab. It would be a real mistake to make Joab the enemy here. Remember, God, through David put Joab in the army. It is the first commander of the first third of the army. It's not an ignoble goal to aspire to some of the things in Joab's life. However, the issue begins to arise when we're willing to judge our own will as superior to that of the leader that God anointed over the people. You're going to see this issue come up again and again in Joab's life. Everybody starts there. In Christ, after salvation, we all start there. We still think we know best and we're still nursing grievances that really relate to the way we were raised, the way we've always done things. And we think they're right, even when the king of Israel is giving us a different instruction. I want to tell you up front, as we wrestle with Joab, it's a terrible path to go down to stay Joab. But every Christian starts as Joab. So we're going to look at how to circumcise it away, how to crucify it out of our character. Because when we don't, it doesn't matter how much we accomplish. In the end,
0: it comes to disaster. Church, we want you to grasp what we're going after this morning. It's so easy to put Joab in a different category, but if you just heard what Pastor Eric said, we are all Joab. We all start off in the Joab phase. As a matter of fact, and we want to help explain that further in 2 Samuel 5 and in 1 Chronicles 11, Joab is the first to attack the Jebusites, and he liberates Jerusalem. There are successes that Joab begins to have in some pretty epic ways. This causes him to advance to be a commander of the armies. He is a sign. It's a sign that Joab's clear calling and his potential is starting to come to life. He's a man of calling. Joab is a man of calling. Yeah. See, we like to say, yes, we can relate to that part. But I promise you, you'll see other ways that we relate to Joab. This does not mean that Joab's character has been corrected. It doesn't mean that he is growing past this. It just means that he's finding success because he's a man who's been called. Church, we want to let you know today that successes are actually dangerous if your character is not growing along with them. Somebody say, that's true, Pastor.
1: That's true,
2: Pastor. Now that you've agreed to it, think about what he said. Success actually makes some of your character flaws secret. We can't see them because you're succeeding. That's what makes them dangerous. And that's why we want you to be able to identify the normal stages of Joab that we all work through so that you can experience a
1: metamorphosis. I want to show you some of the successes that Joab had. As we put up the next slide, Joab defeated the Edomites. This is outlined in Second Samuel 8. He defeated the Syrians and Ammonites in 2 Samuel 10. And even defeated the Ammonites again in 2 Samuel 11 and in chapter 12. As we look at this further, in 2 Samuel 13, one of David's sons, Absalom, murdered another son, Amnon. This caused Absalom to be banished. And Joab worked to see Absalom return to Jerusalem. And there are various reasons for this ranging from an in Absalom's life bringing Joab back. When you think about this,
2: don't you want restoration in your families? Don't you genuinely want to see everybody forgiven? Yes. Don't you want to see everything go well? Of course we do. Those are normal thoughts. And most of the time, they're accurate thoughts. But in this case, Who banished Absalom? David banished Absalom. So when you're thinking about Joab working to bring Absalom back, it's clearly what Joab thought was best for David. But remember, David didn't ask for this. It was not a directive from the king. It was generated from Joab's desire. And let's give him pure intentions in it. I don't think they were, but let's give him pure intentions. Have you ever just been trying to help somebody, but it's actually not what they asked you to do? Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know why all the married men are shaking their head. Yes, I, I know in my life it never works that way. But as the bride of Christ, many times I've tried to help the agenda of Christ by doing something that I thought would be good to do, but he didn't direct. That's Joab. That's job. It's your own agenda that feels good to you, looks good to you, and you think is right, but was not directed by the king of Israel. Wow. Now, I'm assuming that it's quiet because you're tabulating your votes right now. You're doing a recount right now. <laughs> if you don't personally identify with that, you're sitting here a dead man. You, the, in fact, your life will depend on you being able to identify those areas. Choice between good and evil is not a choice at all. It's actually choosing between two things that you think are good that is a choice. Joab thought this was best,
0: and it turns out that it was the expressed opposite of what the king wanted. Pastor, I've got another reason that I think that Joab was trying to help Absalom here. Both of these men were actually murderers. That's true. They were plagued with with frequent and impure intentions about most of the things that they did. Absalom's leading a revolt here. He's trying to gather people to himself. There's something in Joab that is looking at Absalom and going, I can relate to that. Birds of a feather. Oh, birds of a feather. That's what's causing these two murders to try to feel sympathetic towards each other. I mean, this is like Pilate and Herod becoming friends because they're both after murdering Jesus. It's, it's when we start finding allegiances and commonalities that aren't based in the word, but they're actually based in the most Joab-like sinful parts of us that we relate to. Man, I could see that, that you might understand me and my sin. How about we commiserate? How about we stay in misery with each other about this idea because I feel better about myself when I'm around you. Church, you got to look at who's who's comfortable around you and why they're comfortable around you because the Joab in us is seen in these very moments. I'm going to go
2: ahead and just say I doubt seriously they ever talked about the fact that they were both murderers. You know, I murdered, you murdered, let's murder her together. I, I doubt that's how it went. I bet their commonality was that they both felt misunderstood by David. I bet that was it. I bet that's why they had such friendship.
1: I, I suspect they said to each other, you know what, when I'm around this brother, I just have a peace. Oh, yeah. I just, I feel, I feel a unity among us. I don't know why, but it, it's just there. You know, we're, we're, we're the same, same family here. But you know what? The fruit of thinking that you know better than your leaders is always insurrection, yeah.
0: which is what happens with Absalom. But before we get there, we want to go a little bit further. Let's take a look at Second Samuel chapter 14 and verse 28. If you Amen. haven't noticed yet, we are walking through the book of 2 Samuel even while we're teaching you today.
2: And after a massive vote dump, our screens are back up here. That's right. We can even help you now. This is good. I want you to know we are now winning. (laughs) Okay, we're winning.
0: Don't (laughs) believe your
2: lying eyes. We're now ahead.
0: Second Samuel chapter 14 and verse 28 says this: Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Why? Exactly. Could it be because he murdered one of the king's sons? Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come. So he sent a second time, but Joab refused to come again. Then he said to his servants, look, Joab's field, it's uh, it's next to mine. And he has barley there. Mm -hmm. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servant set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house and he said to him, why have your servants set my field on fire? Yeah, this is the problem. This is a big problem with a Joab-like relationship, is when disciples are not clearly submitted to the leaders, then when their interests align, they partner together. Best of friends as long as you're against the leader, but, but when their interests are in conflict, they set each other's fields on fire. Ooh. Are you understanding where we are in this? You have to, yeah. Under, yeah, hypothetically speaking, of course. <laughs> I, I got an idea,
2: Pastor. Everybody close your eyes. Take in a deep breath through your nostrils. Did you just smell barley? <laughs> you can look at your own relationships, guys. And if they're contentious with the people around you, you're identifying Joab in your life. What's happening is, when their interests align with yours you get along great when their interests don't align with yours you set each other's fields on fire i'll tell you what just to be very polite i won't name any names in here but when you give a compliment if you feel the need to explain why it's like i really love you because you know i really don't get so and so that is burning barley yeah and and let's not be let's not be uh, coy about this all of us have this tendency in our heart we want to set ourselves in a good place and in a part of that is also making sure others understand that you've progressed past someone else that's that's joab yeah. if if you feel the need to illustrate that you ever are doing better than someone else in the body that's joab all right yeah, everyone. Huh. Why don't we just go ahead and say every one of you are guilty. We are guilty and that's why we're preaching this message because it's
1: a necessary stage that we grow on from. Amen. You know as as I think about this when the pastors are speaking on it, it's every one of us is that your pastors have developed a good sense of smell <laughs> that we can smell even burnt barley fields. Even
2: post-COVID
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We can detect it a mile away. But here's the purpose of why God gives us that ability to detect it. Is that we need to bring it to the surface so that we can crucify the Joab inside of us. There is a process of metamorphosis that we're trying to all move on and mature into. But it
0: requires us to have to deal with it rightly. Amen. In 2 Samuel 15, Absalom <laughs> leads an insurrection. Yeah, thank you, Nick. That's exactly right. <laughs> there. Yes, that should be as quick as this is right now. I just want to point out, Nick got there before you. Oh, God, I'm Joab. <laughs> Smelling some burning barley here. In Second Samuel 15, Absalom leads an insurrection. Yeah. And in Second Samuel 18, David specifically asks his three leaders, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, not to harm Absalom. Not to kill him, to be kind to him. See, to start with, Joab was no longer the sole leader over David's army. Do you know why? Because David rightly had trust issues with Joab. Yeah, yeah. Great. Now we understand Joab. Now let's look at our lives. Amen. Do you have difficulty in working with teams of equals? Is is there a problem when your leader sees something in you and sees that there's a metamorphosis that's needed and asks somebody to come along to join you? How do you do then? Can you do okay if you're clearly the singular point of leadership and you get to tell people what you think? But how do you do when we're saying, why don't you get a brother to come along with you? Why don't you get someone and do it together? How does that sit in your own soul? This is a symbol. This is a sign that perhaps there's more of Joab in you than you're aware of. And your leaders are trying to help you to get to a point of metamorphosis so you don't have to stay there so you can crucify that Joab-like behavior in you. Does that feel very in the male category,
2: like it's military, it's uh, men? Well, what about raising your children, girls? Uh, Do you deeply resent a peer giving you input into how you raise your children. Because that would would point to the real need for a metamorphosis. Because Joab has Joab's agenda, and anybody else that doesn't agree with that agenda, short time or long time, the Joab in you will want to put them to death. You'll find yourself saying, like, I know she thinks she's a better mom than I am, but you know what she does? That's Joab. Yeah. He said, "Well, it's okay. It was just in the privacy of my home." No, no, it was heard at the throne of God. Yeah. See, we're gonna have to identify oh, this. And <laughs> look, I see mamas around the room be like, Ugh. <laughs> "Guys, do it all the time too." Put us on a building project. Every guy knows a better way to build it. Everyone would have done it differently. All we do this is our <laughs> nature. And I wish it was just dead in Christ. It's something you have to identify and and make
1: dead in Christ. Everybody say, thank you, pastors. We're helping you guys this morning. We're helping me this morning. (laughs) Me.
2: Joab relates to to Joash.
0: Yes. Got to get it in the right place. That's what what we're saying.
1: One of the other things that comes to mind in addition to this, we, we see in Joab, but more importantly, we see inside ourselves. How do you deal with direct orders? Like, for instance, hypothetically, once again, yeah. whenever we say, do not bring uh, clothes out of your wardrobe and drop them off here in the church, please don't, don't do, do that. it. And then the next week, there are four bags of clothes sitting there. I and was just trying to help. Just trying to help. I, I thought that you could really be blessed by this. You know, somebody asked uh, or said something the other day, said, uh, you know, I really appreciate the way the pastors speak to us, they're very direct. There's a reason why. <laughs> because we're, we're dealing with Joab. And the issue is, you know, yes. See, the, the other men around Joab, they refused to harm Absalom because they actually wanted to honor their leader's request. They wanted to honor the king. But Joab thought he knew better than his king and was working subversely behind the scenes and missed the direct order. It made me look something like this. That I know the pastors have told us to use our Abigail on the ball card when we get in the situation, but I I got it memorized. I got a few other scriptures I'd like to use instead. And then next thing you know, you're burning each other's barley fields. Uh You smell like smoke. You show up to church and we're like, my gosh, we can smell that a mile away. Did you use your Abigail on the ball cards? Yeah, uh, uh, kind of. Well, there's a direct order from the word that shows us exactly what we need to do that requires us to crucify the Joab so we can actually honor the direct orders of our king.
2: Yeah, these kind of issues, they don't go away. Uh, They only grow. They have to be identified so that you can circumcise them away, so that you can crucify them away. And let's be honest, there's enough of this to go around to everybody in the room. And we don't really want that to be heavy as much as we want you to realize David appointed Joab. Joab is, is a place to launch from. A place to say, he's talented, he's capable. I mean, when killing needs to be done, he's good at it. In fact, watch this continue. Um, In 2 Samuel 19, history is repeating itself. It ought to be on our next slide. There we go. In 2 Samuel 19, you see history repeating itself. We have another general whose name starts with an A, like Abner before, except this one is Amasa. And he also repents. David's pretty good at getting the right-hand guy of his enemy to repent and come and love him. And Jesus is good at it, too. That's, that's how we got here. So the general name Amasa repents of his support for Absalom. And he wants to support David's kingship. It is in every way a cycle that is repeating in the life of Joab. So in 2 Samuel 20 and verse 9, I, I want you to catch what, what happens here. Joab said to Amasa, how are you, my brother? My what? Brother. brother. My brother. I mean, this is a warm, loving language. Then Joab took Amasa by the beard Uh-oh. with the right hand to kiss him. Friends, sinning against the beard is second only to one other thing in the scripture. <laughs> Amasa was not on his guard against the dagger in Joab's hand. And Joab plunged it into his belly. And his intestines spilled out on the ground. Without being stabbed again, Amasa died. Then Joab and his brother Abishai pursued Sheba,
0: son of Bichri. Church, we want you to notice that Joab continues to do what is in his best interest rather than follow the orders of the king. And do you understand this? this if you are not keeping up with the names, it sounds just like what we did and read before, but this is a new man, and he's even pursuing an actual enemy. The last line there. They're pursuing Sheba, son of Bichri. While he's doing something that the king did order, he is still pursuing his own interest and clearly something that the king did not order. This is a constant attitude in Joab's life. It is constant that he's always running in a parallel fashion. He's always running in a way that shows that he's called, but he has not crucified this nature within him. Church, and if you listen to this, he grabbed a man's beard to kiss him. To show affection towards him, to show brotherly unity. This is Judas incarnate.
2: But Judas was a disciple with a calling that participated in the ministry of Jesus. It's not like Judas was a devil from day one. He always
1: had the potential to be both. You know, Joab was comfortable with murder because he wanted to protect his position. He wanted to secure it, but secure it through the means of his own strength and agenda. But here's the thing. Disciples often don't use daggers. (laughs) At least they shouldn't. (laughs) But there are daggers that are present. It's the daggers of our words. And through these words that are daggers comes out insecurity comes out selfish ambition, comes out pride. And these very things tempt you to believe that you know better than your leader. And the most imperative thing is that these things have to be crucified away. There's a call at stake that has to go through the process of metamorphosis and crucifixion of Joab inside of us is necessary.
2: Are y'all ready to be done with Joab? So is David. In (laughs) fact... On our next slide, it'll hint at something you can research. In 1 Kings 1, Joab is again involved in an insurrection. Now, Because we are limited in time, I want to summarize it for you. Joab apparently believed that Adonijah, an older son of David, was a better choice than Solomon to be the next king. Now, there are many reasons that he might have thought that. I mean, maybe Adonijah was taller. Maybe he had 47 years in public life and had never committed fully to a position so he made a better candidate <laughs> maybe he was a brain dead moron that joab could control i i don't know what the issue was with adonijah which is who i'm speaking about but i know that it was not the expressed intention of david solomon was and joab defied david's intention so we're going to read together what David says. This is 1 Kings 2, beginning
0: in verse 5. 1 Kings 2 in verse 5 says this, Now you yourself know what Joab, son of Zeruah, did to me, what he did to the two commanders of Israel's armies, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, son of Jether. He killed them, shedding their blood in peacetime as if in battle. And with that blood, stained the belt around his waist and the sandals on his feet deal with him according to your wisdom but do not let his gray head go down to the grave in peace deal with him however
2: you want just kill him you you can kill him with a spoon you can kill him with a butter knife
0: you can make drop him a black brick on his head just, just in, make sure, any way you want
2: as long as you sure kill he's him he's dead
0: yeah church joab ends up dying inside the tent of the lord a man built for war a benaiah amongst them came in and killed joab inside the tent of the lord church what we've been speaking to you this entire time is trying to get you to understand some important principles that we all enter discipleship with serious joab tendencies can you say amen to that at this point we all do And we need to crucify them. We all may enter into this stage, but we don't all have to stay in this stage. There's a metamorphosis that God is trying to bring about in our hearts. He is trying to help us to crucify these Joab tendencies. We need to circumcise them away from our hearts because no matter how much success we have, no matter how much we accomplish, unless you crucify the Joab in you, you are going to die even inside the very tent of the Lord. We don't want to die there. No. You guys want to know
1: how to progress in the stages of metamorphosis? There's a guy whose name is Peter. First Pope. First Pope, (laughs) yes.
2: I'm sorry. I've been away a while. I missed you.
1: (laughs) Peter was a man that we can all identify with because he was a man that had the same problems as Joe But he got it right. Yeah, come on. He's a man that gives us hope and inspiration that not only we can identify with in his failures, but much more so in his successes. So everybody turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to pick up in verse 15. Oh, yeah. Amen. Say metamorphosis when you're there. Metamorphosis. There we go. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. What Peter's receiving right here is a life-saving revelation. For all of us. Yes. It's one that is going to be the fuel, the catalyst for further progress in the stages of metamorphosis but one thing that we can all see here is that he is called as a natural leader he's a chief he's a lead disciple in addition to that he is able to give uh, insight into what the lord is showing him but when you put all this together isn't his call clear isn't it easy to see yes
2: you probably never find a clearer call than peter Of course, you never find a clearer call than Joab. They were both born for certain functions. And yet, they both have to wrestle through some things. Look at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must. Say must, must. Must. Meditate on that for a second. The king of the universe must do something. Jesus is like King David in this sense. He is following the commands of his father. And he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. At the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he, what's the word? Must. He must be killed. And on the third day raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never. Lord, there's an explanation point in your Bible because the syntax in Greek justifies it. This is an emphatic statement. Never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Who is Peter really disagreeing with? The Father. Jesus is carrying out the Father's will. He said what he must do. But Peter knows better than God himself. That's a Joab tendency, isn't it? Look at how sweet little baby Jesus handles this in his golden diaper with the lambskin around him. (laughs) Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Look, these situations, this one, it reveals a joab like heart in Peter. Peter knew that Jesus was Messiah but didn't realize that he still thought he knew better
0: than Messiah. Church, what we're saying very directly and very clearly is that human wisdom, your own concerns, your own personal rationale for what you're doing, when it is exalted above the scriptural, spiritual leadership, listen to my words, is satanic. So says our great King Jesus here. See, even if you're the most talented, well-intentioned, I'm-just-trying-to-help-you-out kind of disciple, these behaviors must be circumcised away. These tendencies of Joab in us must be crucified so that a metamorphosis can take place, and we don't have to stay in this Joab stage not one minute longer than we need to. Mm. Say, we don't have to stay here.
2: We don't don't have to stay here.
1: here. I ain't going to stay there. Hey, man, I'm moving on. Look at what Jesus says immediately after this confrontation with Peter. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Must. uh, And take up their cross, crucifixion, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. See, Peter learned this lesson in his failure of denial and then received subsequent restoration. In fact, Peter is then exercising that restoration with the extent of his shadow healing other people. Joab never learned
2: this lesson. Peter did learn the lesson. It took a... Look, Jesus was not the only one crucified that day. What do you think was going on in Peter's thoughts? And and to some extent, Joab has to fail. He, He has to have these crushing events that are publicly embarrassing and everybody knows you blew it. If you don't have that, then it's very difficult to have the resurrection power of Christ. You can't tell the difference between leaning on your capability and Christ's capability working in you. Mm. That's why we're getting these prophecies about being sifted and refined and all. It's because he loves us. And and Joab is called just like Peter is called. But in some sense, every disciple must die to Joab at the altar inside the tent of the Lord. You must. That's the only way that you can progress in your lordship without having in mind the things of men. Y'all follow us here? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to move on to Abishai? Yes. Yes. Wouldn't we all? Stop thinking of these things as stages. And as Pastor Wade takes us through Abishai, recognize we're actually in cycles. You're Joab on Monday, and by Tuesday, you, you're moving to Abishai, and then something happens, and you're back in Joab, yeah. Okay. There are cycles in our lives. In your finances, you might be one, and in your rearing children, in another. Yeah. These are cycles, and we're going to learn to identify
1: them. Amen.
0: Aren't you glad that we're showing you how to deal with these cycles? Yes. You're not going to be all Joab, more than likely, in every area of your life, but you will be Joab in some, and we're showing you how to move through that. Let's put the slide on the screen that you could see the family tree here. Again, we've already mentioned it to you that Zerua is David's oldest sister. And you have Joab, Ashael, and Abishai. So he's the little brother. Come on now, anybody a little brother in the room? Know what a little brother is like? See, this Uh Abishai is Joab's little brother. See, he participated, like most little brothers, he participated in most of the mistakes that his older brother actually contributed. He did exactly what had happened in Joab's life as well. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, David promoted him above Joab. And Abishai eventually ends up submitting to Joab as well. And I think we have the scripture that you can see on the screen as we're speaking about it. Abishai represents a part of discipleship, a stage of discipleship, a cycle in discipleship with all of the problems of Joab, but a solution that Joab never found, but Abishai did. Are y'all ready for the solution? Every problem
2: Joab had, Abishai also had. Raised in the same house, same tendencies, same everything. It wasn't that one of them was disadvantaged at birth and the other was advantaged. It wasn't that one received special treatment and the other... In every way, they are the same, except Abishai finds something that Joab didn't. We'll
1: look at this in 2 Samuel 21, verse 15. Once again... There was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of Rapha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. But Abishai, son of Zeruah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Now, look, it's sure that Abishai has made some great mistakes. But in the end, he comes to the king's rescue. That David's life was more important to him than his very own. But he had lost the command that David had tried to give him. But get this. Even in the midst of that, he never lost his loyalty to the king. There was a commitment that he had. And that was a commitment to being shepherded. Yeah, Joab
2: has to be crucified in your life. Abishai has to be shepherded. Joab is called and Abishai is committed. Do you hear that? Yeah. So Joab is called to be crucified and Abishai is committed to be shepherded. Are you all tracking with me here? Yeah. In the scripture, there's several differences between the two. Joab is judged. Abishai is never recorded as being judged. You can see instances where Abishai asked David for permission. You can't find that in Joab's life. Mm -hmm. Now, when I'm saying that to you, you ought to be evaluating yourself. (laughs) Okay? It also means that we have some hope in looking at Abishai's life if we've made bad decisions. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Now, we didn't finish a verse earlier. When we were looking at 2 Samuel 21, 15, uh, I wanted to read that 17th verse there. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle, so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. I want you to catch some differences here between Joab and Abishai. They're subtle, but they're profound, and it'll help you identify things in your life. They have to do with caring more about God's will than your own prerogatives. Abishai did not want David's influence to be extinguished. Joab didn't want Joab's influence to be extinguished. So if you were, I don't know, just on a wild whim reading Philippians 2, and you're told to consider everyone better than you, and you consider some better than you but not Everyone in the body of Christ? Mm. Well, you're clearly Joab. Commit to be shepherded so that you can become Abishai and you want all of your brothers to be better. You would never be so small, so puny, so pathetic as to need to demonstrate your greatness by downing someone else in this body. Mm. You wouldn't do that. That's what's called to be crucified. You're committed to being shepherded. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's move on with Abishai.
0: Abishai's greatest contribution to our discussion today is that he was a man who became committed to the shepherding process, to being shepherded. As a matter of fact, in 2 Samuel 23 that you see on the screen, Abishai commits himself to this process of being shepherded, and he finishes the biblical narrative where Joab was killed inside the very tent of the Lord, Abishai ends his life as one of David's mighty fighting men, as one who became the commander of the three, even though he was not included in that three. He was over them. Why? Because he was able. It wasn't where he came from. It wasn't where he started. It was a process of him being committed to shepherding Being committed to the shepherding process in his life. And it moved him away from Joab. And it allowed him to be established as a mighty, mighty, mighty man of God.
1: Oh, this brings to mind another mighty man of God that went through the same process. His name is Thomas. John 20, 27 reads this. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. It's in that moment that he is crucifying that Joab nature within him. And he is committed to being shepherded and goes down in history as the first to being who's calling Jesus, both Lord and God. And then the rest of his life progresses to where he is giving up his very life like Jesus did in the region of India that we have visited so many times. Yeah, we've stood in the
2: spot that he was killed because he was shepherded by the Lord to go there. Yeah. Uh, Abishai is so committed to shepherd, being shepherded that he risked his life to do it. Yeah. That's the point. Friends, Joab doesn't risk his life for anybody except Joab. And so early on in Christianity, you have to figure out whether it's your ambition that is driving you. ambition for the king. And if you don't think that's a difficult and deceptive thing to figure out, then you're not very smart yet. But the Lord will help you become smart. And that's why we're preaching these messages. They're little identifiers for you. I want to talk to you about the goal of the process, though. Would you all like to go from Joab to Abishai to the goal of the process? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's it, Ty. (laughs) So we're going to be in 2 Samuel 15 beginning in verse 17. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. All his men marched past him along with the Carathites and the Pelathites and all 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. And today, shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I am going? Go back. Take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness.
0: David is king here, but he's in a time where the veracity, the integrity of his kingship is being challenged. David is unsure how many trials and difficulties and tribulations are yet before him. He actually turns and blesses Ittai, who was from Gath. Should sound familiar, should ring familiar in your ears. The very place where David killed uh, Goliath was from, was there in Gath. And he releases Ittai from any feelings of obligation to accompany him. You are free to go on your way, brother. But Ittai's response should be the goal of every man and every woman in every area of your life. It should be the goal of every believer who is engaged in discipleship. Ittai shows us how the called man, through the commitment of being shepherded, makes the climb of metamorphosis here And we're going to see how that relates in verse 21 as well. Verse 21. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely
1: as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. David said to Ittai, Go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. Ittai's response is the response that we are working to get arrive at, at that goal of being called, of being committed to shepherding and a climbing to that elevated position of honoring the king.
2: If Joab is called but needs to be crucified and Abishai is committed but needs to be shepherd, Ittai is making the climb, whatever it takes. He's already settled those yeah. issues. That's an exciting thing, don't you think? Yeah. Rather than teach you about the Syrophoenician woman, let's put that slide on the screen. Having an Ittai-like faith is a little bit like the woman in Matthew 15. They're both foreigners, but they both cry out to the son of David for help. They're both discouraged by their leader. In other words, they're not begged to follow. They're actually discouraged from following, but they cannot be dissuaded because they've settled these issues. Both of their responses actually showed great faith, great metamorphosis. They showed the greatness of the king who didn't have to beg them to get their obedience. He could even discourage them and they would be obedient anyway. Wow, that Syrophoenician woman had an Ittai-like faith. I want to tell you there's some reasons for it, though. Ittai had already lost all things. He, He had already severed all connections. So where else would he go? (laughs) It ties response, in my opinion, is much better than Ruth speaking to Naomi. Mm -hmm. I forgive me if you have that on your wedding rings or whatever. It's a chick talking to a chick. okay? and I don't want to downplay that, but I'm not putting that on on my wedding ring. My loyalty is to the king above all things, no matter what that means for me. And I want that in every Area of my life Amen. okay Amen. I, I gotta tell you I think the secret though is Joab was related to David he was talented yeah. I think he probably thought that David was pretty lucky to have him I think Abishai was a little brother he had less of that but he he's he's David's nephew I mean David you know when it comes down to it man you've got your relatives I think they felt like they were just a big asset Mm. to David. Ittai just felt privileged to be there. Come on. So Ittai is fit to become their leader. I can't tell you what gratefulness will do for you. What feeling privileged to be a part of this family will do for you. What knowing that you weren't entitled to anything will do for you.
0: Ittai really is the goal. Ittai is the goal. Come on, we can evaluate this in our own life by understanding how much encouragement do you need? Boy, it's great when we get encouragement. Ittai was getting discouraged, dissuaded from pursuing the king, and it did not matter. It didn't matter the difficulties. It didn't matter the certainty. It actually just showed that this man, Ittai, should be the goal because he was wholeheartedly ready to make the climb, whatever the difficulty was. See, these three men, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, they're cycles, they're stages with unique challenges and problems. But I got a little secret for you as we get ready to close. They are answered in the Psalms of King David himself. Now, let me help you to walk through this. Think about Psalm 22. There's a progression in Psalm 22, 23, and 24 that'll help you to understand Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. In Psalm 23, what do we see but a suffering king? So many places in Psalm 22 are quoted by Jesus Christ on the cross. We get a picture Of what a crucifixion is supposed to do to help us to answer the problem of Joab in our own lives. That that call has to be a call to crucifixion for us to succeed. Psalm 23 is we get a picture of the shepherding king. The Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? It means that you should be a man like Abishai. Who is committed to being shepherded by the great shepherd and by the shepherds that he puts in your life? And then we move to Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Who is this king of glory? Let's let, let's let the ancient doors, let's let the ancient gates open up. Why? Because in Psalm 24, we see a sovereign and a glorified king. We've moved from a suffering king. We've seen the shepherding king, and now we are seeing the sovereign and the superior king. And it is the answer to be able to get to the goal of metamorphosis, which is Ittai. And it's the goal that each of us should be walking in in every area of our life. If you
2: haven't gotten all of that, we're going to repeat some more of it in the days to come because it's simply too good to throw in at the end of a message and move on. But during the same time period in David's life that he appoints these three men over Israel's army, in thirds, he writes Psalm 22, Psalm 23, and Psalm 24. Same guy writes it. And in Psalm 22, we have a suffering king. In Psalm 23, we have a shepherding king. In Psalm 24, we have a superior, glorified king. And the truth is, is those are the answers to Joab's problem. He needs to be crucified. To Abishai's problem, he needs to be shepherded. To Ittai, he needs to receive the king of glory so he can be superior. Do you see how beautiful that is? It's more than that, though. If we progressed from Joab by crucifying him, just like our king teaches us in Psalm 22, like Peter your calling will reach its goal. If we progress to Abishai by being shepherded, like Psalm 23, like Thomas, your commitment will be shown to the whole world. If we arrive at Ittai by seeing the king as superior, Psalm 24 opens up with everything in the earth is the Lord's. Nothing belongs to you. <laughs> if we arrive at Itai by seeing the king as superior, you'll end up like the apostle John, He made the longest possible climb. He went from boy to old man. He is our brother and companion in suffering on the island of Patmos, and he's the guy young enough to outrun Peter to the tomb earlier. He demonstrates Ittai throughout the scripture, never entitled, never arguing, just glad to be there, privileged. Look, would you stand your feet as Matthew leads us through the end?
1: Saints, what the Lord has given us is a very clear path of how to experience the process of metamorphosis in our discipleship and how we go from immature to being mature. I know everybody in this room wants to grow to that place of being mature, and we have to start at the right place. We have to be humble enough to let the Lord deal with our heart and state rightly so that we can see the Joab inside of us and let it be crucified, so that we can see the Abishai inside of us that needs to be committed to shepherding, so that we can see the Ittai inside of us, the one that sees it as a privilege to be in his kingdom. So join me as we offer up our lives to be evaluated, encouraged, and changed by our King. Mighty God, we surrender our hearts and minds Lord, all the control and lordship of our lives to you. We say that you are the one and only great king, and we need your leadership. Lord, we need the leadership that you have put in our lives. Lord, we need to be able to see ourselves rightly so that we can be changed into who you are. We love you, Jesus, and we ask that your spirit and your word work in our hearts now that we may experience your change. In the name of Jesus, amen.